Hi, welcome to Cellular Agriculture for Pandemic-Free Future. This is episode number 29. My name is George Ortega, and I'm recording this on August 16th at 8.47 p.m. Eastern Time. So let's begin. Um, most fundamentally, this pandemic is um, a moral issue. And, uh, and it plays itself out as a moral issue, I believe, within the arena of economics. Um, basically, our, um, our factory farming system, that's 99% of the uh, farmed animals in, in the United States, is the breeding ground for future pandemics that we need to prevent. And the reason we have these factory farms is because we are um, attempting to pay much less for our meat, fish, dairy, eggs. And uh, so, the answer to, um, the moral answer, the, how it plays out to this pandemic also is economic. Um, as I've been mentioning over the last 28 episodes, there's a new industry that began in 2013 called cellular agriculture. I mean, it had its first proof of concept that essentially we don't need to farm animals either in factory farms or in family farms to have as much meat, dairy, eggs as, as we'd like. We can, we can basically take a biopsy, a tiny, tiny amount of, of, of cells from an animal. It's a painless procedure. And, um, and basically deceive them into believing they're still in the animal's body and then coax them through various means of the technology to replicate, to multiply, to, um, to do what cells do. And in that way, we can eat lobster without any cruelty, pork without any cruelty, cattle, chicken without any cruelty. But, but relative this, to this pandemic, you know, this is important because, um, because this industry can allow us to shut down the factory farms that represent the risk to us. I mean, many people understand that this current coronavirus began in, um, in Wuhan, China, not in a factory farm, in a wet market. But what, what needs to be understood is that it's not, it's the distinction between a wet market and a factory farm is irrelevant. It's, it's basically the commonality, what they both engender that, that, that represents false psychotomy to, to separate one from the other is that they both involve extremely unsanitary conditions and extremely cruel conditions. But, you know, for the purpose of the, um, of understanding how they cause pandemics, you know, it's, it's extremely unsanitary. I mean, like, 
again, with, with factory farming, uh, tens of thousands of chickens, broiler chickens, in an airplane hangar, a, a, a shed the size of a football field, okay? And they're crammed together though. And, um, and they're living there for seven weeks and nobody cleans up the place daily. You know, for seven weeks, they are living in their urine and their feces and um, pumped full of antibiotics because the, condition, the conditions there are so unsanitary. And needless to say, they grow, they, they endure um, unconscionable suffering, imagine. So, all right, so we have this new technology because, I mean, the other, the other answer, which is a better answer than cellular agriculture, really, I think, is, is for us as a species, as a humanity, as a global population, to tra transition from eating animal products to a completely vegan diet, plant-based, which in so many ways is so healthier, so much healthier. So uh, that is the ideal, but I think in this world, while we're reaching toward the ideal, we also have to address what is realistic, what we can realistically expect. So getting back to the uh, factory farming, right now there are about 40 or 50 startups that are, um, that are basically racing to meet certain technological challenges, research challenges that are involved in scaling production. In other words, they, they can grow lobster and, and turkey and and beef and pork and, and milk and eggs in labs. But that's one thing. It's another thing to, to grow them at scale and also to, to grow them in a medium that, that's not very expensive so that they compete. They can compete uh, with, with the animal-derived meat, fish, and dairy product we have in supermarkets today. Um, all right, the problem there is that um, you know, these 40, 50 companies have cumulatively, cumulatively um, amassed about, um, about $1.5 billion in, in research funding, um, which is great. So like, but the problem with that is that with that level of investment, you know, industry insiders, a lot of these CEOs, um, there's organizations that have been created to, uh, to help expand and, and develop this industry. Basically, many say, well, you know, we may have to wait 10 or 15 years to, uh, for, for these products to be in supermarkets, you know, on, on mass to, you know, in, in substantial numbers that, that they make a difference, that they, you know, lead to the shutting down of these factory farms, which is of course the, the purpose. Um, and so we get back to the money and the morality. So the, um, our moral solution is to fast track that, that research, to not, not come out of this current pandemic, all of us living in dread of the next pandemic. Um, or worse than that, experiencing the next pandemic. Um, 
in the uh, in the 1980s, I believe there were four major outbreaks, um, you know, epidemics, pandemics. Um, in the 1990s, there were another four. Um, in the 2000s, there's like, there's a lot, you know, there's over 10. Um, and um, I say this to, to say that um, basically our world is, um, for various reasons, uh, the greater population, um, greater air travel, there's about 4 billion passenger flights, you know, that go throughout the world each year. And each of those flights is carrying, what, 100, 200 people, perhaps less sometimes, but um, that's a huge number of, of, you know, and so what happens like, you know, when, when a person gets, um, as we'd notice with coronavirus, person gets a virus in China, all of a sudden it's in the United States, all of a sudden it's in everywhere in the world. And, and again, the more people, the more flights, the, um, the greater the risk. So, so these pandemics are a far greater risk, generally speaking, now than they were in the 50s and 60s because there wasn't as much factory farming back then and because there wasn't as much air travel, also because there wasn't as much deforestation, which, which is another major contributor. All right, so again, the, the other solution that I've been talking about and will continue to talk about because it's an important solution also is to develop vaccines against the coronavirus, universal vaccines against all strains of coronavirus, against all strains of influenza, um, it's a lot harder with bacteria because there's so many good bacteria. But but ideally, I, you know, I, I suppose it's theoretically possible to to create vaccines against the harmful bacteria, bacteria that do not attack the um, the beneficial ones. I mean, but uh, you know, as you might imagine, especially with bacterial vaccines, the uh, success with this research is probably 10, 15 years away because it's such a difficult challenge. This, this, this challenge of growing meat and fish and dairy in, in labs in, in sufficient quantities, um, you know, in, in bioreactors, these huge, I guess, um, fermenters, uh, basically, that, it's kind of like, it's a fermentation process, apparently, or similar to it. Um, you know, the, um, that's, that's much easier challenge, I believe. Um, I mean, I, I, it's not like I, you know, I know the, um, the science really, but, you know, I'm not a biologist, but, you know, from what I hear, from what I hear the uh, people in this industry say, um, and also epidemiologists, many epidemiologists say that, no, these universal vaccines are not possible. So, all right, so this is a moral situation we're in. And, uh, so let's let's shift from facing the problem to to considering the opportunity of this to to reframe this from yes you know we need to do this you know we need to um to end factory farming, family farming. We need to stop eating meat and fish and dairy that are grown from animals 
if we're going to be free from pandemics. That's the bottom line. You know, that's, you know, again, and, and uh, one last thing about the, the financial um, aspects before I get more into the morality and, and you know, perhaps a different um, uh, direction of, of how we can create a better world, much better world. Um, what, what I've been asking for in this series um, is uh, for $50 billion to be released immediately. You know, not next year, not the year after. I mean, like, it's not going to happen with Trump in office, but as soon as Biden gets um, inaugurated, you know, what is it, January 20th or something like that, uh, release those funds immediately. Get an army of bioresearchers, an army of young kids, an army of really, really bright minds. Throw money at them, you know, because this is that important. So, like, $50 billion to fast track to sufficiently fund this, this industry. So then instead of having to wait 10, 15, maybe 20 years for these products to be in supermarkets, they very reasonably could be in supermarkets in two, three years. You know, and I say very reasonably because like the time frame for developing a vaccine is generally 10 years, 15, 20 years. We don't even have one for AIDS yet, which, and that was in the 80s. Um, but they're fast tracking the coronavirus, so we may have one in a year or two. So if we can do this for vaccines, we can, you know, I believe the, um, the industrial cellular agriculture challenges, biological challenges are far less complicated. All right, so. So now, you know, we're considering the problem, the solution, um, and we see that it's a moral problem, you know, an economic problem. Of course, the moral problem is like, you know, some of us, and this is mainly the Republican Party, but you know, Democrats also, there's a lot of moderate Democrats who aren't really as um, progressive as, as you know, they're leading to believe. Um, they, they don't wanna fund this. You know, they would, you know, and the, the Congressional Budget Office in May estimated that this coronavirus was going to cost us $8 trillion when all is said and done. Um, so what, what, what this $50 billion represents is one half, 1% 1 of that. So if, if we as, as, as a, the American people, pretty much we as a humanity, are too stupid, I believe, you know, um, too indifferent, um, cheap, you know, I don't know what, what, how to describe this, but if, if we don't do this reckless, you know, careless, brazen, if, if we don't make this investment, you know, um, from a moral perspective, you know, I'm not sure we have that much of a claim that we deserve to exist, continue existing as a species. You know, God, God has a way of, of, um, of calling our numbers. In the 1918 pandemic killed 100 to, to 50 to 100 million people. And, um, and, you know, there could be greater, again, with, with, and that was in 1918 with, with such a, a smaller population. So that, you know, the equivalence of a pandemic like that today would probably kill, what, 400 million people, 500 million, you know, perhaps more. So, um, all right, so, that's the morality. So let's look at the other side. You know, let's say 
we recognize the threat and we recognize that there is a means to essentially create a pandemic-free future. And we, we get involved. We, we, we talk to our friends and family about this. We, we, we learn about it. We um, you know, do some research. There's some videos out there on, you know, there's videos out on, on cellular agriculture that are like two minutes long, five minutes long, 15 minutes long, an hour long. You know, there's a lot of different kinds of presentations and there's a lot of articles on this also. And there's the websites, of course, of the startups. There's also um, New Harvest is um, the primary organization funding cellular agriculture. And, and then there's another one called the Good Food In Institute that works with both plant-based and uh, clean meat and cultured meat products, you know, to advance the, the field. Um, so, so imagine we do this. Imagine we do this. We, um, we summon the will, the, the wisdom, the, the, the responsibility to, to lay aside our indifference, to just like to, to, to act, to, to not, you know, to not, not just be complacent, not just do nothing. You know, a friend of mine was reminding me recently, you know, that, um, all that the world needs for evil to prevail is for good people, good men to, to stand by and do nothing. You know, that's, that's so true. And so, but let's say we do, let's say we invest this $50 billion. Let's say uh, it starts being released in March of, of 2021. And then I would imagine by 2022, you know, you have many, many brilliant minds entering this field, biologists, young kids, you know, professionals, and, and you have advances, you know. Let's say they've gone through four or five billion dollars of, of, that, of that money by that time, um, or 10 billion, you know, 20, whatever. Um, they can, you know, they can, reveal to us the, the, the success. And then in, in a couple of years, you know, they have basically, you know, that, that $50 billion would, would also attract a lot more private investment behind it. You know, people were investing in these companies to make money, you know, shares of the companies. So this might be, there might be another, hundred, two hundred billion dollars being spent, you know, aside from the initial 50. And, and so, yeah, in three years, all of a sudden we have these, these factories, these clean meat factories, cellular agriculture factories all over, not just the United States, but throughout the world. Because this, you know, part of these 50 billion dollars should, of course, be sent to other countries, you know, some developing countries that, you know, have bright minds too, they might just figure out far less expensive solutions because that, their mindset might be much more amenable to that because of their circumstances. And uh, so, yeah, so like we, we find ourselves in a world where two, three, three years from now, you know, we've got the factories and we're manufacturing and then all of a sudden there, there's absolutely no good reason to, 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 um, to not shut down these factory farms. Now, Yes, I mean, like, 
people are going to lose their jobs. Just like, for example, there was a, a horse trade in New York City until you know, Ford developed Model T, the first car, and many people lost their jobs. Um, with, with, with farming, many, many farmers lost their jobs. Throughout history, there's been many displacements of, of people you know, working on something, whale oil, who, you know, whale oil is not used anymore. There are very few you know, people hunting whales in that way. So like, there are many, many industries where you know, the best thing, the greatest good for the greatest number does involve you know, shutting down an industry, especially an industry as, as, as dangerous as factory farming. And uh, so, yeah, and then part of this money, again, maybe it should be, I mean, like 50 billion. I mean, again, we've already spent, what, about two, three trillion on this, this, uh, this pandemic, and we're anticipated to spend eight trillion. So, I mean, like, you know, it seems like one half of one percent is way too too little, you know. So, so because like I mean, because like part of this money could be used not you know for the research challenges, but to re um, retrain people who were in the meat industry, you know, who who were raising cattle and, and chickens and all, retrain them, you know, re re employ them in other areas, find jobs for them, and this is going to be. Again, the, the, the centerpiece of the Biden administration you know, for the next four years. And um, so, but, but just, you know, in the Manhattan Project uh, that created the first nuclear bomb in 1945, they used to World War II, I think there were about 130,000 people, you know, involved in that project. It was just the United States, I believe. I don't believe other countries were were trusted to, uh, to take part in that. But imagine this, this revolution of, of, of ending factory farming, ending a, a, a factory farm system that is not only from a scientific sense causing these pandemics, but from a theological, moral sense, is probably inviting God's wrath. It, it, it's probably, you know, creating so much more pain and suffering for human beings in the form of punishment for this cruelty that we're inflicting upon these animals. So, so again, three years from now, you know, we, we shut down the factory farm system and we've got these products, you know, entering uh, markets and, and people are discovering not only do they taste better than the products, you know, the animal derived products they were eating, but they're actually much healthier for them. They could make these products without cholesterol, without the saturated fats, you know, because they can basically, it's not genetic, genetically modify them, but they can genetically engineer them. They can basically, you know, feed them materials that don't lead to these really harmful substances. So like, you know, the, these products would also be very healthy for us as human beings. Um, but that what that would do is that that would kind of like, that would be an awakening of our conscience. I mean, like it, it is, I've talked about this before, it, it's beyond horrible that, that we can do this to, to 70 billion farm animals, you know, land animals every year. And, but imagine, imagine a world that just like we ended slavery, we end this, we abolish factory farming, the farming of animals. Um, I imagine in this world with the internet, 
and they didn't have this in 1865, but here now with the internet, this would create a burst of, of moral positivity, a birth, burst of, of optimism, of enthusiasm to do more. You know, and, and so much more needs to be done, you know, with climate change. You know, we can probably, as a result of succeeding with this, and, and this isn't, you know, many people don't realize that the livestock industry is responsible for about 14% of the global greenhouse gas emissions that are responsible for climate change and the man-made ones. And, and so by, by transitioning from factory farming to these lab-based meats, we can reduce that by as much as 90%, you know, um, even more, I think. Um, so, so imagine, I mean, this is, we have to start thinking big, you know, that, that's our problem, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, the Republicans think big, you know, let's build this wall, let's just like abolish everything, just put everybody in prison. <laughs> they just, they think big and, you know, I mean, like, I, I do have to agree with them with, about abortion now, I think that's, you know, that's the liberal Achilles heel, and I don't think it's a liberal position, actually, I think it's a moderate position. You know, but um, but my point is that um, the progressive movement, the, the movement to to basically you know safeguard our, our way of living, to 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 defend us against climate change, against these emerging threats like antibiotic resistance and pandemics, and these other threats that our current system has been ignoring because people don't want to pay for it. You know, and the Republicans are the, the main obstructors in that. You know, they just like. It's clueless how, how, how greatly they disrespect science. You know, they don't understand it. They're not, they're not an intelligent, they're devious, they're shrewd. You know, the, the way they conduct their campaigns, you know, they, yeah, they're, they're, they're very manipulative and shrewd in those ways. But in terms of like this, this intelligence that's, that's on a higher level than that just base kind of like, you know, moralist intelligence, morality-less intelligence, um, yeah, the Republicans have a, a real problem with that in general. You know, so uh, anyway, we can evolve beyond that. You know, just like, just like slavery is no longer permissible, um, factory farming would be no, more, no longer permissible, and we can do so much more than that. You know, we can probably get money out of politics, because that's, that's the main driver, you know. The, it's the money in politics that doesn't, that is not allowing us to spend those $50 billion. All right. Well, I hope you're having a good Monday. Um, check this out every Monday through Friday on White Plains Community Media Channel 76 if you get Optimum Cablevision or 45 if you get Verizon. And the episodes, the previous episodes are all on YouTube. And so again, like you know, my challenge, your your challenge is to don't just, you know, absorb this and do nothing, you know, learn more, talk to your friends, talk to your family. If you know pe people in, in power, journalists, politicians, talk to them, you know, get them to, uh, to understand this. My job is gonna be, I think, you know, after 29 episodes to continue trying to um, frame this more and more positively not, you know, move away from like, you know, if we don't do this, you know, we are so, 
so doomed, you know, to like, you know, we do this and we have a much better world. Okay, thanks for watching and I will see you soon.